tackles. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, your host, Fino, alongside. Welcome to The Pack, the only student sports show from MSU campus. And boy, do we have a big show for you planned today. Aloha, and more importantly, mahalo for listening to The Pact. Again, Sports Show on Campus bringing you all the in-depth sports talk right here from the basement of Holden Hall. Fino alongside Faith Kogalecki and Matt Behind the Glass listening and bringing you all the sports knowledge you need to take you through the week. Until next Monday, your next one-hour date with Faith and Fino. With that being said, Faith, uh, it's good to bring you back on the show, right? Always great to be back here with you, Fino. It's good, and we got a big show planned, right? Absolutely. We always have a big show. It's good answer. We do. <laughs> and today we do have a big show planned. We have Ryan and Rico co-host. Rico Beard will join us in our first segment. Uh, co-host, uh, Ryan and Rico Show, 105.1 Detroit Sports. Faith, a good friend of ours. He's a big on the inside of MSU recruiting. He's also on the drive with Jack Ebeling with Jack Ebeling and Press Pass All-Stars and Press Pass Daily. Told Jack Ebeling I'd give him a plug today. There you go, Jack. So, Rico, we'll have him on our first segment. Second segment, we'll talk to Michigan State men's tennis. We have Coach Gene Orlando. He will be calling in and spending a couple minutes with us about their weekend in North Carolina. They play Duke, NC State, and another match with NC State, A&T. That is also a good matchup there as well, Faith. They did win that final matchup. They put their record to 1-2 and two in the season. Break it down. Give Coach O some love here on the show, as we always do, Faith. And our third and final segment, we'll talk Michigan State men's basketball. What is the deal with Michigan State's men's basketball? An absolute obliteration in the Xfinity Wireless Center, the Xfinity Center, whatever they call it now that isn't Comcast Center. 76 to 49, or 59 rather. It was an embarrassment. I mean, Michigan State did not look great at all. I mean, I said 76. They wish, and it almost looked like it was 75. So you look and me, Faith, to me, Mellow Trimble. That man is the truth, and we'll talk about him in the third and final segment. Anytime you bring someone who's seven foot off the bench, you know Michigan State isn't really going to compete. So we're waiting on Rico. Matt, do we have Rico on? Yes, we sure do. Oh, we do have Rico. All right. We'll get Rico on right immediately. And I promise before we bring Rico on, Faith, it is one of my buddies' birthday. Have to give him a shout-out, Austin Sarah. Happy birthday, Austin, over there on 430 Park celebrating. I wouldn't really be atop of the show if I didn't wish you happy birthday, buddy. Wish you the best and hope you're spending a beautiful night with your buddies. But without further ado, we bring in Rico Beard, co-host Ryan and Rico, show 105.1 Detroit Sports. Rico, it's good to have you back on. Let the fireworks start rolling here. How are you? Good, good. I've been here the whole time listening to the beginning of your show, so, there, oh, so anxious to get on the air with you two. Yeah, good, Rico. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we had a big debut over on Allegan Boulevard over there on Spotlight, debuting the Jack Ebling show, nice and spacious over there. That was pretty good to get it in there. Joe Rex wrote, of course, Jack's favorite, broke the ice over there, but we're good to get you over there on Thursday, Rico. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, I'm sure what he had on Izzo, D'Antonio, Snyder. <laughs> he probably had everybody. Please, Magic Johnson, Steve Smith, Lorenzo White. Yeah. Uh, well, Tom uh, Izzo. I'll, actually... I'll end up with the uh, janitor and the uh, ticket scalpers. <laughs> well, ironically, Tom Izzo opened up the show up over there today. 305 Tom Izzo. He was boarding a plane to Dayton, Ohio on the recruiting trail. Wouldn't really tell us much, but he said he's scouting some guys from a junior class, three people playing in that tournament. Wouldn't really tell us much. Yeah, he's actually he's down watching Nick Ward from uh, uh, same high school as uh, Javon Best down in Ohio. There you so. go. There you go. That's where he's at right now. Oh, great, Rico. Well, listen, talk a little bit. Let's kind of change the dial a little bit here. Talk Michigan State football a little bit. Sparrins in the Senior Bowl. Curtis Drummond, Tony Lippett, Jeremy Langford, 
anything that you expect out of these guys in the Senior Bowl coming up this weekend? Well, the Senior Bowl is really important to those guys because this is where your stock can go up. Mm -hmm. uh, the combine is one thing, but this right now you're going to be playing with other guys who are all out there trying to improve their stock. So the NFL scouts are there. You're going to be coached by actual NFL coaches. Mm -hmm. This is your chance to show what you can do on the field. You could have a bad day at the combine. Or you could have a bad pro day. But if you can go out there, combine with your film from the season, and make some hits and get some key plays, whether they're interceptions or touchdown catches or tackles, and really stand out, it can be the difference between getting drafted in the sixth round and getting drafted in the third round. Without a doubt, we're talking with Rico Beer, co-host of Ryan and Rico Show, 105.1 Detroit Sports. Rico, let me ask you this. Curtis Drummond, Langford, and Tony Lippett, all three Spartans, and you mentioned, are in this game and have a chance to improve their stock. Which of these three guys has the most to prove in this senior bowl? I think it's probably uh, Curtis Drummond because the mm. secondary took a, a major hit. Darquez Denard left, and you know, if, if you watch the highlights of Oregon and Ohio State and Baylor, you saw a lot of secondary guys, and Curtis Drummond was one of those chasing uh, mm. wide receivers. So. Curtis, that, that no-fly zone, well, they were allowing a lot of flying this year. He needs this game. He needs to show that he is just as good as he once was. He can make the tackle. He can help in run support. Plus, he can also play well back at the safety position in the secondary. So I think for him, Tony Lippett uh, and, and, and Langford, based off of their season, they got enough tape that any coaching staff and any scout can look at it and see what they're going to get but with uh, Curtis Drummond, for as many great plays, you also have a lot of busted coverages. With these three guys, Rico, playing in the Senior Bowl, which of these three guys has the chance to be a star player on the next level? You mentioned Drummond has a lot to prove, but do any of these guys have a chance to be an elite player in the NFL? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the two offensive guys. Um you look okay. at Jeremy Langford, and you got to remember that he replaced a guy that's doing pretty well in the NFL, that no one thought he would become an all-pro NFL running back, and that's Le'Veon Bell. Mm. Looking at Jeremy Langford, he had better numbers than Bell. That's a good point. Uh, he's a different type of fact than Le'Veon, but if he gets with the right team, I can see Jeremy Langford putting up big-time numbers, and, and Tony Lippett, He's a big 6'4 wide receiver. That's what every team is, is shouting for. He's got speed. Once again, it, it all depends on fit. If you go to the right system, I think either one of those two could flourish. Rico, you bring up a great point that I was going to bring up later. Jeremy Langford has better numbers and had better numbers than Le'Veon Bell. Le Le'Veon Bell has flourished in Pittsburgh and flourished in the NFL. I've been a big advocate of Jeremy Langford. I think he could be a legitimate running back in the NFL, but you mentioned if he gets in a right system. Curious to think, to know what you think, what system do you could envision drafting or team could draft a Jeremy Langford, because I, I, I assume he's going to get drafted, come on, that he could yeah, land. Jeremy Langford's going to get drafted. I mean, I mean if anything, he's going to get drafted simply off of the success of right. Le'Veon. Right. But it's the right system. Now, you got a lot of different coaching changes that went on. So you don't know who's going to run what. In a perfect situation, I, I honestly, I could see the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting Langford wow. as Bell's backup because you know what you're going to get from Michigan State running backs. And Mike Tomlin loves the MSU style because it fits his style. And you saw what happened when Bell went down. They didn't have anything. That's the reason why they're not playing right now. I think if Le'Veon Bell was playing – you may have seen Pittsburgh, uh, you know, in, in that AFC championship game. I could easily see, you know, taking Langford, but he, Langford has to go to a style where th they will allow him to run in between the tackles and they're not afraid to, to use him as a receiver. If he goes to a system where he's like one of four or five backs, he's not going to flourish. Jeremy Langford is the kind of guy he needs carries. And you saw that at MSU. The more carries he gets, the stronger he becomes during the game. If you're just going to keep constantly rotating him, he'll never get to that, that next level. So 
He needs to go to a system where they're really only trying to run one back or maybe two, but, you know, nothing like how you see in, like in, in Denver or, or New England where you got a whole plethora of backs and they just kind of go with the hottest hand that day. Rico, let me ask you this, and I'm going to keep it in that division. I thought an ideal landing spot for Jeremy Langford could be Baltimore. You know, I understand Baltimore likes to run two running backs. They're hard. They're physical downfield runners. I mean, I could see him going even to a Baltimore team when, yes, they had four set. It looked good. Couldn't Langford sneak in and be a good, reliable running back in Baltimore as well? I could see Baltimore. Uh, another team I could see is the Indianapolis Colts. Good point. Uh, you got Andrew Luck. You're paying him a lot of money. You're going to have to start surrounding him with some weapons. Another team to look out for, uh, Seattle. You don't know what's going to happen with Marshawn Lynch. Are they going to keep him? His antics is kind of growing old. I could see, hey, if we win it all, this is a good time to part ways with them. Uh, So going out to a Seattle or or an Indianapolis or even a Cleveland, teams that that, like like to run the ball, that's some place you want to go. Now, Detroit, I would say no. I don't think Detroit would fit what Jeremy Langford does. Detroit wouldn't fit. Now, on the flip side, I think Tony Lippett would fit into this Lions system, but not Langford. And you mentioned Lippett. Do NFL teams strictly see Tony Lippett as a receiver? They do not see him as a cornerback? Because to me, if you weren't going to consider Tony Lippett and playing the other side of the ball, why would Michigan State play him on the other side of the ball? To me, it didn't really make sense, but I understand why they did it. But is Lippett legitimately a receiver and a corner prospect, or do teams only see him as a receiver? No, when you get to the uh, NFL, that, you pick one thing and you that, do that I one agree. thing well. I, it's rarely that you see the Deion Sanders out there, the type of guy that can go back and forth. Yeah. The most you'll see him is how the Lions use Calvin Johnson on Hail Marys. You okay. just sit back there, you're fast, you're tall, you knock it down. I think Lippert playing both ways – it, it, it showcased his skills, but I think that was more of a, a recruiting technique. That was to show guys in high school who play both ways. You can come to MSU, and we'll play you on both sides of the ball. You can get away with that in college. When it comes to the pros, a lot of money, big boy business. I need you to do one thing. I need you to do that one thing extremely well. Rico Baird, we're talking to you. So excited to have you here in the studio. But want to ask you, looking forward to the next 2014-2015 season, like you said, you're, we're losing a lot of guys. you got Jeremy Langford, Tony Lippett, Curtis Drummond, but you're also losing guys like Keith Mumphrey, Travis Jackson, Connor Cruz. What position is going to be where we have to fill most guys in for next season? I think the, uh, you, you're probably looking at that secondary because they're young. The secondary is young, and losing out on Drummond, you're losing out on Trey Waynes. You got R.J. Williamson, who, let's face it, he got beat a lot. You got Monte Nicholson back there. You got Darian Hicks. It's going to be an open competition. I think this spring, in the spring game and spring practices, you're, you're going to see a lot of guys fighting for those spots, especially at the corner spots, because, you know, Demetrius Cox had to step up if, you know, Tony Lippett had to play some corner. He he went double duty in the Baylor game because let's face it, if the other corners could would have been doing their job, Lippett wouldn't have had to play. That's a good so point. I think the secondary is is going to be the biggest concern now. What will help the secondary faith is the fact that the defensive line may be the strongest part of the team next year with Shalik Calhoun coming back with the young guys with Lawrence Thomas. With all those guys on the defensive line that you can rotate in, plus they redshirted three defensive linemen last year. So you got three more guys in Enoch Smith and Craig Evans and David Beadle coming in on that line. So you got, you're looking at about 11 people playing those four spots. They got a lot of depth there. So if they can get pressure on the quarterback, it will alleviate some of the, uh, the secondary woes until they can get their four people in place. Enrico, we were talking about this on the drive earlier today, and when Jack asked Joe Rexrode who would be the two cornerbacks Michigan State would have going into the season that would be starting, and you mentioned winning that competition in, in the spring, Joe said it would be Demetrius Cox and Darian Hicks. I'm personally skeptical about Demetrius Cox going into the season. Do you have? Do you share those same skeptics of Demetrius Cox? Can he step up like you said and alluded to earlier, and can he be the no, big play? 
No, I, I think he can. You saw that Demetrius Cox played a lot. And he did, The yeah. thing is about corners, if you're doing your job well, you don't hear your name called as much. And they didn't really go after on, on Cox's side. Darian Hicks, they picked on, they picked on because they know, hey, we're not going to throw the ball to Trey Wayne. But Demetrius Cox, they really didn't throw to him a lot because he's fastest. He just has to work on his technique and a lot of little things that can be corrected. But a name that I would tell you and, and Joe and a lot of people to watch out for is Vontae Copeland, mm-hmm. a redshirt freshman now out of Ohio at corner. That's a guy, he's, he's been an Ohio track star since his freshman year when he, all, he sets all type of track records in Ohio. He's fast. He's got great coverage. They thought about playing him this year. They didn't know. They didn't want to waste a year because they kind of had a feeling that Trey Waynes would leave. But Vontae Copeland is another name that you could see, if not getting that starting job. If Hicks keeps suffering, uh, Copeland could take that spot. Or you could see Copeland coming in at the at the nickel position. I like Copeland at the nickel position, Faith. I don't know about you, but it, to me – you got to roll with Hicks. I know Hicks, you know, Rico, I, I don't know. You've been kind of critical about Hicks, but you've given him credit where credit is due. I think in Michigan State's defense, and they're set, more importantly, their secondary, if it's going to be elite, he's going to need to be more consistent. So I think to add consistency to your secondary, you need Hicks and bring in a guy that's been there, and it's Cox opposite of him, and you bring up into the nickel position. Michigan State got beat yeah, with the I mean, deep. with Hicks, Hicks has to realize that for the first few games, everybody's going to pick on him because you're the weak link. In the secondary, you're the weak link. Trey Waynes became Trey Waynes because people were afraid of throwing the ball to Darquez Denard. Mm-hmm. Darquez Denard became Darquez Denard because early on, people were afraid to throw the ball to Johnny Adams. That's right. So it's one corner I'm not going to throw his way. I'm going to pick on the weaker link. And right now, that's Hicks. Fair or, or not fair, it's a big boy business. He's out on an island. It's one of the few positions, Anthony, if you screw up, everybody knows you screwed up. I agree. You can't say, well, it was a certain technique. You just didn't cover your man. Your man beat you. He scored a touchdown. Hicks has to get that confidence back up and remember how he played his freshman year. If he can get back to those ways, I think he'll be fine. But right now, if I'm, a, if, if I'm an offensive coordinator for an opposing team, I'm tailoring my game plan to pick on number two on Hicks as much as possible until he shows me that he can either beat me or make the big plays. We're talking with Rico Beards, co-host of the Ryan and Rico Show, 105.1, 10 a.m. the noon over the 105.1 Detroit Sports Radio. And Faith and Rico mentioned it. I understand that you need to kind of go for Daring Hicks. And it's kind of a – it's a, and I saw this in yesterday in, AFC, in, in the NFC Championship game. Richard Sherman was injured, and Aaron Rodgers got a lot of flack for, hey – why didn't you attack a Richard Sherman who's virtually playing with one arm? He's not going to intercept the football. He was clearly the weaker defender, even though he's Richard Sherman. I understand, but it's an extreme example. But you can understand where Rico is coming from and say, hey, you need to attack the cornerback who is weaker. And I'm sorry, I'm throwing to a guy that has one arm versus two. And you can maybe say that's an issue there with Aaron Rodgers that didn't attack the ball. And that's what teams did in the college ranks against Michigan State when they attacked Darian Hicks. You know, Rico. Oh, go ahead. No, No, I was just saying that Michigan State did get beat by that deep ball a lot last year. And yeah, Darian Hicks was replaced by Lippitt. And now that Lippitt's gone, Hicks was benched kind of for the the rest of the year. And now with Trey Wayne's gone, you've got these guys that need to step back up to the plate in order to fill that spot. But speaking of Trey Wayne's, you know, by uh, one of the websites, uh, NFLDraftScout.com, he's ranked as the number one cornerback in the country to go in the draft. Where do you think he'll end up? I think he'll probably, uh, depending on his uh, pro day, you could probably see Wayne somewhere in that 10 to 20 spot. Uh, he's the number one corner, but I don't think a lot of teams are looking for a cornerback which is good for him because the lower in the draft you go, the better the teams that you're going for. So, you know, being the first pick, not always a good thing. That means you're going to a really bad team. So if you can go a little bit later on in the draft, but, yeah, I could see him somewhere between the 10th pick and the 20th pick uh, and and getting taken. 
I know a lot of teams have him slated like around 15 or 16. I could easily see that. Rico, why don't the and to me the Lions are the perfect landing spot for him, and I understand the Lions are deeper. Uh, you know what? Let they, me stop you right there. Oh come on, Bite Rico! And you hope that he never goes to the Lions. I, I know. I hope that so. That is a wasteland. He'll <laughs> never win. I don't want anybody that I like to ever play for the Lions. I mean, I hope he goes to the Jets. The Jets need quarterbacks. I think he'd be great in New Jersey, honestly. But I think the Lions are also a legitimate landing spot that people would like him at. Wasteland or not, he'd be an improvement for that team. It is, but the, I think the Lions have a bigger fish to fry, especially now that they finally seen the light and they got rid of Dom Rayola and said, you know, finally. they're not going to come pursue him this year. The Detroit Lions, their number one concern, and I saw Mel Kuyper Jr. actually had this in his mock draft, and I thought he was actually spot on. A lot of times, I think he's just throwing darts against the wall. <laughs> but Malcolm Brown, the D tackle out of Texas, yes, the Lions have to be smart and realize. And Dominican Sue is only going to be here for one more year at the most. If you franchise him, he'll play for one more year at a ridiculous amount of money. But eventually, this guy is going to leave. You have to prepare yourself for life after Sue. If that's the case, you need to draft a D tackle in the first round with that pick. Nick Fairley, to me, he's good, but he constantly stays hurt. And and you can't do you can't help me win when you're on the sideline in street clothes. If you're the Lions, either you go after a D tackle or you go after offensive linemen. It's not a sexy pick, but it's a needful pick. Trey Waynes would be a luxury. I don't think this team is, is able to – can afford itself that luxury. Even though they were 11-5, and five, they may have been the worst 11-5 and five team out there. Nothing about them screamed this team to go to the Super Bowl. Imagine this. They had, the, what, the same record as Seattle? Or something very similar. Yeah, no. Same when you record. see the Seahawks, you think, "Oh, Super Bowl champions." You see the Lions, you think, "Ah, oh, eh, Lions won eleven games. That's cute." Good point. Rico, talking about Trey Wayne's entering the NFL draft, there were other players on Michigan State's team that could have done that as well. We're looking at Connor Cook and as well as Shalik Calhoun. What does it mean for these guys to stay back and play one more year with the Spartans? Well, I think for Connor Cook, he realized early on that. He's not the quarterback that he wants to be, and I look for him to make a lot of improvements. He goes out to this camp out in California during the offseason in the summer, and each year he comes back, and he's a little better than he was last year. This year, the only thing he really needs to work on is the ability to just throw the ball away and, and either kick the field goal or kick a punt. You don't have to score a touchdown on every third down play. You saw that in the uh, Cotton Bowl late in the fourth quarter when he throws the pick when they were down in the red zone. That was a ball that he should have just threw to some kid in the stands for a souvenir, let them come in, kick the field goal, and get the point. Shalik Calhoun, I think, was all set to go until his draft grade, his, his draft grade came in, and he found out he was a second-round pick. And I don't think that sat well with him. This is a guy who started the year off. ESPN ranked Shalik Calhoun the number four player in the country. Not at not in defense, not on the defensive line, but in the country. So he dropped from four to somewhere in the second round, somewhere between 33 and 64. So in his mind, he didn't have the career he wanted. His, the senior, I mean, the junior year he wanted either, uh, whether it was double teams or not. But I often say this, if you can't handle a double team in college, what makes you think you're ready for the pros? Enrico, you brought up Connor Cook. And to me, you look at this quarterback class next year, it's really not that strong. And we're, if we're just talking about the Big Ten, you got Hackenberg, you have Connor Cook. To me, those are two guys that jump out at you that can be you know, in the NFL onto the next level. I think Connor Cook coming uh, back. Fino, Fino, I, I, I think you forgot a three-headed monster somewhere. Who did I forget? Uh, Ohio State. Oh, of course. I mean, of course. I mean, I first of all, I mean, Cardell Jones is going to go. To me, he's going to win the starting job, Rico. I don't know if you agree with that. I think he's the best quarterback there. But you said it yourself. I remember you told me you told me off air, and you said, how can you tell a guy that just won a national title to sit on the bench? So I don't even put him in the same you league. As, I don't even put him in the same league Everybody as Connor. He's paid a lot of money. He's going to have to figure that out. You're right. How do you tell Cardell Jones? 
I need you to hold this clipboard. Oh, by the way, it's three minutes left to go yeah. in the game. Hey, put your helmet on. Go out there and take a couple knees and end this game for us. Yeah, I know you just won the national title, but we got Braxton here. We got JT Barrett. Uh, honestly, I, I have no clue to who's going to win that. Cardell Jones is in the fortunate shape where he's going to get all the snaps in spring. So he's going to get all the experience. I just don't think he's going to hold on to that job. He's a, I'll say it again, he's won a national title. He played big in three big games. He's a two-trick pony. He does those tricks really well, but he's still a two-trick pony. He's a running back who drops back and occasionally throws arm punts. And, but his receivers make him look really good. But as far as what you say, as far as pro level, yeah, Connor Cook. I don't even put, I don't even put Cardell Jones in that team. Hackenberg stays in Penn State, the worse he gets. This right? is a transfer. Dave Franklin <laughs> is killing his career. But, yeah, Connor Cook, it was just consistent. He, he gave you two, three touchdowns a game, about 300 yards. I look for him to be probably one of the top three or four quarterbacks going into the next year's draft. I agree. They're all going to be behind Cardell Jones, and we, we're on the same page about it. I think JT Barrett transfers. I think Braxton Miller transfers. Cardell Jones is the quarterback, but I don't even put him in the same league as Connor Cook because when your third-string quarterback plays three games and you are automatically have had arguably, I think it is, in my opinion, a better career than Connor Cook. That's incredible. When you win the Sugar Bowl and you win the National Time the same year, you're not even in the same league. And I'm not saying no one's comparing them, putting them in the same league. I don't know. I think those are two good quarterbacks. You add Hackenberg because he's going to get drafted, Rico. You know this. Connor Cook made well, the no, right call. Hackenberg's going to get drafted. But listen, Connor Cook is a, is a pro-style quarterback that a lot of teams like. Everybody's not going to this little read, read option thing. Connor Cook is that drop-back guy who can, you know, go through the progressives and hit the targets, and if need be, he'll scramble and pick you up four or five yards. So Connor Cook, his stock is going to be high. I agree. Especially with a very good Michigan State season. I, you know, him, Trayvon Boykins out of TCU, and the, uh, the quarterback from uh, USC, I think are going to be probably the top three quarterbacks next year. Talking a little bit about coaches now, Rico, Mike Tressel and Harlan Barnett now were kind of promoted to co-defensive coordinators because Narduzzi left for Pitt. They also then hired Mark Snyder. He's the new defensive assistant. Um, he'll be coaching the linebackers and the special teams, taking over for Tressel. I wanted to know what your thoughts were on that hire because he was the defensive coordinator for three seasons at Texas A&M but was fired this last season. And looking at the statistics, Texas A&M was 103rd nationally in yards per game and 111th in rushing defense. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts were about that type of hire for Michigan State. Uh, well, let's start with Schneider. I think Schneider was Schneider was brought on more because he worked uh, in tandem with D'Antonio when they won a national title for Ohio State in 2002. They got a history working together. He trusts him. And when it comes to a coaching staff, you have to be able to trust those guys. They're like you're, they're your version of teammates. You got to know that this guy is on the same page as you. Um, so I, I look at what he did at at A and M. And I don't see that as that big of a concern because he's not going to be asked to run that offense. He's going to be asked to, to come in here and help in, uh, in implementing the Michigan State I mean, defense. That's what they're going to ask him right. to do. Don't change this. Just go back to doing what you used to do back at Ohio State. I, also, I like the hiring of him, though, because you're getting a coach who now knows the state of Texas, so you can go down there and maybe draw in three or four players out of Texas because he has relationships with those coaching staff. Now, Barnett has been groomed to be the defensive coordinator uh, for the, like the last few years. I think it was difficult to try and pick between him and Trestle, so D'Antonio did the smart thing and just said, you guys are co, but on game day, Barnett's going to make the call. In my opinion, that means Barnett is the real defensive coordinator, and Trestle is kind of the you know 1A defensive coordinator. He's there to give his input, but if it's a fourth and one call, Harlan Barnett is going to make that call, what they're going to do on the field. Real quick, Rico, before we let you go, how many games does this Michigan State win team win in 2015? Uh, I can easily – I think it will be easier to say – I said 10. I got them probably uh, 
if if no if like Braxton Miller doesn't transfer to Oregon, Ooh. I think that they could easily go eleven and one regular season with the one loss being at Ohio State. So you think they could beat Oregon? I think they could beat Oregon. Uh, it's a home game. Connor Cook and Shalit Calhoun coming back push the needle to the MSU side of beating Oregon at home early in the season. You got the experienced quarterback. Uh, you got the best defensive player. Michigan State would have more. Out of the top 10 players on the field, the majority of them will be Spartans. So I use that when I try and figure out who, who's going to win the game. I think that they will knock them off, especially because it's early. If you played Oregon late in the year, look at Ohio State. JT Barrett was still learning the offense. Virginia Tech beats them. It's true. The offensive line was still trying to jail. Later in the year, they got better. The best time to play teams is early in the year, especially under new quarterbacks or new systems, because they're still gelling. Where at Michigan State, that team's already solidified. You're going to have senior leadership. So, yes, I do expect them to beat Oregon. I think if that Oregon game was at, at Spartan Stadium last year, I think it would have been a different result. And it, it would have. I think the crowd kind of got into it once Oregon started jumping on top of them. So, I think at Ohio State is the game they'll probably lose. They'll end up 11-1, and and Anthony and Faith, here's the sad reality of it. If you finish at 11-1 and and you finish second in the division in the Big Ten, this team will end up going to the Rose Bowl as a consolation prize for not making the playoffs. They're going to go to the Rose Bowl. Pretty damn good consolation. going to be disappointed because they're going to miss out on the playoffs again but you get the Rose Bowl. Hey, if, I, I think with Spartan fans, Rico, if you win the Rose Bowl any year, it's a good season. Yeah, and, but you want that playoff now. You you, you want to say I'm top dog. You want to you want to see that that table because that's the new big boy table. Where it used to be a BCS, now it's like, yeah, the Cotton Bowl and, the, and those other Power Six games are good, but I want to be – one of the four. I want ESPN yeah. to slather all over me and put me in promos and commercials and have Sparty waiting at the airport seeing if he's going to go off to Disney World. It's a good point, Rico. Rico, thanks so much for calling in. We appreciate it. Uh, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. And that's Rico Beard, co-host of the Ryan and Rico Show on Detroit 105.1. He's the Thursday co-host of the Drive with Jack Eveling Faith, uh, another employer of ours. But we'll take a quick break here on the pack. When we come back, Men's head tennis coach Gene Orlando will be with us via via cell phone, and we'll talk with him. All that and more on the Pact. Coming to the Pact on eighty eight point nine FM WDBM East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pack. That is right. We are embracing the Spartan debate here on the pack. Fino, Faith, Matt behind the glass with you, taking you all the way to 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. here on WDBM East Lansing Impact Radio. It's packed where you don't embrace the music that matters, Faith. You embrace the, hello, sports that matters. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. Come I on. know. I was waiting for you to say it. Okay, well, all right. Well, fine. Well, good segment with Rico, but our second segment we got, hey, Gene Orlando, and he is on hold with us talking Michigan State men's tennis. They were in North Carolina this past weekend at face Duke, NC State, North Carolina A&T. And, you know, one and two, but I still – there's a lot of positives that I took out of this weekend for the men's tennis team. I think they're going to have a great season. And I, I know Coach Orlando is going to tell me that, but there's a lot of positive and improvements that I see from this team versus last year. And I would love to talk – and we always love talking tennis here on the show, Faith. But without further ado, we welcome – a frequent and kind of constant member during the tennis season here on the pack. 
head coach Gene Orlando. Coach, how are you? Welcome to the show. Well, thanks. You know, thanks, Safe. Glad, uh, glad to be back. Glad to start a, a new year and uh, and uh, look forward to talking tennis. Yeah, Coach, it's good to have you back on the show. It always feels right when we're talking tennis on the show. Obviously, it goes way back with Harry Jaden. But, Coach, uh, you know, you start off the season against a really good Duke team who was a good test, and you said it yourself, according to MSUSparns.com, you said that you kind of guys dug yourself a hole. Kind of talk about that and that match and what you learned about the team against that matchup against a very good Duke team. Well, I mean, obviously, we, you know, it's, it was our first match of the season, right. and, and uh, you know, we had really didn't get the chance to get our feet wet. And uh, obviously, Duke has, you know, the great program, perennial top 10. I think they're 12th preseason right now. Yep, and, 12. And, uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, was was a great facility, great program, uh, you know, great crowd, and we just kind of got caught up in the moment a little bit. And, uh, you know, we were more reactive instead of being, uh, you know, proactive, you know, playing our game. And, and uh, you know, and they, and they, they really kind of, like I said, you know, that first couple games points, we kind of just got back on our heels and, you know, we tried to, you know, play ourselves into it but um you know i thought i thought we represented well i mean obviously uh you know the score doesn't show it but um you know i thought we were very competitive and you know for our first outing and and then uh you know i think it helped us for our second match against north carolina state coach you talked a little bit about how the scoreline really didn't match what your team had played even uh duke head coach ramsey smith said that he said if you look at the scoreline we won every match but michigan state was really in it what are you going to take away what positives can you take away from that you know those first few games well you know it's uh you know i I think we played at a pretty good pretty good level uh you know for this early in the season and and you know i saw it leading up even to the practice before uh heading down to north carolina and you know the guys have put a lot of time in, and and uh, you can see the you know the you know the results of uh, the, you know from just from their improvement, and uh, I I think it's been an advantage to schedule heavy early, you know because the guys are more focused and and knew that they had to take care of business with their training, you know over the over the holiday season. And coach, I agree with that because I remember last year you guys opened up the season against Detroit Mercy, and it was literally the reciprocal result. You won seven nothing. Here's right. a here's a result where you don't you don't win seven nothing, but to me, this or in the season, I would rather lose seven nothing to you mentioned it, a top a perennial top ten program in men's tennis. You face Duke in Duke, who is twelve. You take a lot of positives out of that game. I see a lot of improvements because early in the season, you guys won a couple games, you got on a little bit of a slide. Seems like leaving this road trip, you come out with the win. I think it's better for the program overall. Just curious to thought what you thought about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously that's the madness. You know, now we got to make, uh, you know, make it all happen, like you said. I mean, uh, you know, we, we got another big test coming up this weekend with Georgia, yeah. and, uh, you know, in the ITA kickoff, and they're, they're ranked eighth in the country. And then we get another opportunity at another ranked team, you know, win or lose. And, um, you know, it's it's all about who you beat. And and uh, we're, we're trying to uh, – you know, try to play the best schedule we can, and and uh, definitely, you know, playing these teams early on. You know, I I think it, I'm I'm planning on it uh, helping us down the stretch. Coach, you said it. I just was going to ask. You know, can you tell us a little bit about playing three top thirty teams in the first four matches? Because that's a hefty first start of your season. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's just way to how the schedule uh, schedule played out. Uh, you know, I, you know, the more opportunities we get to play against these best these best teams, uh, you know, the more of an opportunity we have a chance to pick up a big win. And and for us to get to the tournament, it's all about quality wins. Uh, we could have a great record and and uh, and and play a lot of teams that we're probably better than, but it's not going to help us get in the tournament. And uh, you know, we, the opportunity came for us to play North Carolina State first, and then I was able to catch up with Duke, and we we got the opportunity to play them and. Uh, you know, next year North Carolina State's going to reciprocate and come play us here next year, and so it, it, you know it kind of works that way, home and away. But uh, you know, I, maybe I wouldn't have liked to have gone four matches, three matches against the top thirty. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I think the guys are are, are much more uh, prepared now this early in the season, and 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 if we continue to do the work, that we could be in a you know a, you know a better spot 
you know, come midseason and hopefully at the end of the season, you know, with our games. We're talking with Michigan State men's head tennis coach Gene Orlando on the pact here. And, Coach, I love the fact that you're challenging yourself early in the season. And you saw these guys, look they look more focused. I spoke to Harry. He told me, he goes, you know what, Fino, we're just more focused. And speaking of Harry Jaden, it's the fruition of Harry Jaden as a player over the years to me is incredible. Here is someone that wasn't exactly highly recruited coming into Michigan State. He comes in. I mean, to me, Harry jo- Harry Jaden has been an exceptional story. He's a good friend, but more importantly, him and JP look great on doubles, and he looked very good in his singles match. He won a two six four six four, and then against North Carolina A and T. I like Harry Jaden. I just want to just ask you about the just to me the improvement of Harry Jaden over the years and how you saw that come to fruition. Well, I tell you what, Harry is definitely you know one of uh, you know the best stories. You know, in my career, my coaching career, just you know, from how far, where he is to how far he's come, and and uh, with with his game, and I, I always thought he had talented, and, and you were right, he wasn't very highly recruited, and and um, you know, I know he had some skills, and especially in doubles, and that's how he kind of worked his way into the lineup. He, he found a way as a freshman to to earn a spot in the doubles lineup, and I, and I really helped helped him gain some confidence and belief, and and in his sophomore year. You know, he really, you know, still made doubles lineup, was still outside the singles lineup, and then he got an opportunity and, you know, mid 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 his sophomore year and, and had a phenomenal run and, and, and helped us was probably, you know, one of the biggest reasons why we got to the NCAAs with his solid play down low. And, and uh, you know, now it's, it's, you know, he's just an incredible leader. He's an incredible player. And, and just this weekend, you know, he went three, lost in three sets to the number four player from Duke and, Against North Carolina State, he played number three and beat the 39th ranked player in the country. And and then his partner, him and his partner JP, uh, beat the 19th ranked doubles team from North Carolina State uh, on Sunday. So I mean that's that's pretty pretty good results for someone that uh, you know wasn't expected to do much at all and and uh, and come a big part important part of our program. Coach, can you tell us a little bit about the recruiting class coming in? You had two four-stars four and a five-star prospect, and just what that means for your program. Well, they're three great kids, you know, more importantly, and, and uh, you know, great tennis players. And uh, the first one, the five-stars, from, is from uh, Naples, Florida, named Billy Schistler. Um, you know, really think that he's going to be a quality indoor player, even though he's from, you know, deep, <laughs> deep Florida, but he has an indoor game. And uh, I know that he's, uh, you know, he's going to help us right away. And then we got two players from the Midwest, uh, Colin Harvey from from uh, Chicago, and, and, and Ivan Rakic, you know, from uh, Ann Arbor. And uh, you know, both those, all three of the players will have the opportunity to to compete for a starting lineup, and and uh, just like everyone else, but uh, you know, the three quality players and and uh, players that you know, like that we kind of attract and, and that we believe that can develop into better players and that's probably you know most important to us is that we can we can once we get them here that they can continue to develop and and uh, into better players coach we wish you all the best here uh I'll talk to you soon and we wish you all the best there in athens georgia this this weekend okay thanks you know thanks Faith. Thank you, you got it coach and that is coach gene orlando speaking with us and faith i you know I didn't mean to cut Coach Orlando off, but I just wanted to talk about, real quick before we went to break, what he said. About Harry. About what he said about Harry Jaden. Because I remember coach, talking to Coach Orlando about Harry, telling me how Harry wasn't highly recruited, and what Harry has meant for him as a player on doubles, working himself down low, as he said, working himself in the singles lineup. To me, it's an incredible story that gets lost in all collegiate athletics on this campus. No one really talks about men's tennis. We're the only one that talks about men's tennis. When you're talking about Michigan State sports media, we're the only one who talks about it. I like to give credit where credit is due. Harry's a good friend of mine, but it has nothing to do with that. I think Harry Jaden, what he has done as a player has been impressive. JP has told me he is impressive. And look, Harry, I don't know if you're listening or not, but honestly, keep doing what you're doing. It is super impressive. And as a friend, as a former coworker, Faith, we've had him on the show many times. He's been with us. He's been one of my panelists. Unbelievable story. And I saw him last year. Harry Jaden is world class. But for someone that wasn't highly recruited, 
is big time now in Michigan State, and we're hearing that on Coach Orlando Faith. Without a doubt. We'll take a quick break here on the pack. When we come back, we'll talk about Michigan State men's basketball disaster in College Park, Maryland, 75, whatever it was, 59. Too bad. We'll talk about it. How Michigan State potentially will not make the NCAA tournament back after this. You're listening to The Packs on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the Pact here on 88.9 FM. That is right. We are back here on the Pact. Fino Fate, Matt behind the glass with you, taking you all the way to the top of the hour, 8 o'clock. 13 minutes, but there is still plenty of time to call. 517-432-3893 is our number. Feel free to embrace the Spartan debate. It's not the music that matters during the sports hour. It's the sports that matter. And Faith, we have an audience right now. Aaron Elke in studio are are these potential impactors here? It's good to have them in studio with us, embracing the Spartan debate with Fino Faith and Matt. Faith, third and final segment. Thank you for Coach O and that last segment was powerful. But third and final segment, Michigan State men's basketball. And I think we learned a lot about this Michigan State men's basketball team. First of all, hello, Trem- Trimble is real. That, uh, you're shaking your head. I think... Maryland is the real deal. I've said Maryland is the real deal. And I think Michigan State is just absolutely putrid. I've said that many times. They're quite frankly just not that good of a team this year. And I'm saying that because I hold Michigan State to a very, very high standard when it comes to basketball. You come to Michigan State, you know about the basketball program. You know about the Izzo. You know about Tom Izzo. You know about Magic Johnson, the statue, the Breslin Center. Everything that surrounds the program, you know about it. But to me, we're getting lost here. And I have so much respect for Coach Izzo. He's a great person. More importantly, a top five coach in the country. And to me, a top top ten head coach of all time. They know how to challenge themselves early in the season. But to me, this is – and maybe Maryland's just a very good team, Faith. But to me, January, there's still too many inconsistencies with this team. We still don't know where they stand. And is Michigan State going to lay the egg like they laid 75-59? to 59? The Guys, the game wasn't close. The game was not close. And if you thought the game was close, you're lying to yourself. Because the first half was just an abomination, and the second half was just okay. But to me, Faith, despite Brandon Dawson, I didn't see a lot from Michigan State. Fino, I wanted to just touch on that. This is the second time they um, Michigan State has pl- played Maryland. They lost in that second overtime, 68-66, heartbreaker. Yeah. And after their last game against Northwestern, Coach said this is going to be the hardest week of practice. 
And it's a little yeah, bit but concerning. he's always been saying no, that. No, my point is it's a little bit concerning that these guys had no games. They just worked very hard in practice. And they come out sluggish, inconsistent, can't make layups, free throws, different things like that. That's concerning. Do you understand why I'm so upset? Because they lost a game against Maryland here in East Lansing that they should have won. They should have. They should have won. Okay? Because Maryland was not shooting well. And we saw what happens when they shoot well. They killed, Michigan. they killed Michigan State. So you could have stole a game against Maryland here in East Lansing. Now, you kill, you utterly kill Indiana here by 20. The next game, you're essentially losing to Iowa, and then you come back with an incredible second half. So to me, you have two games that look great. You lay an egg against Northwestern, although you won by seven in overtime. Fine. You're on a three-game win streak, and then you just get absolutely pumped against Maryland. It's concerning. It's concerning. So because of me, Joe Lenardi, ESPN.com's Joe Lenardi Bracketology, sees Michigan State as an eight seed. I don't even see that. Because I don't I think Michigan State is going to lose one game to Michigan, and I can easily see them losing to Ohio State. They're just not that good. They're just not that good. And that's the sad reality of it. Michigan State's going to need to get the 10 or 12 conference wins. Where do you see it at the conference? You get Penn State, okay, Nebraska, but Nebraska was decent last year. Now, they're not that good this year, but they're a scary team. They always give Michigan State a run for their money. Where do you see them? Where do you get 12 conference wins? Where do you get 10? Do you even get 10? It's concerning. Last segment, Fina, we talked about, you had asked me, you know, where do you see Michigan State in the season? And I said, well, this game against Maryland is going to say a lot. And I think it spoke volumes in terms of maybe will they not even make the NCAA tournament? It's concerning. But there were many things. They didn't they weren't connected on any cylinder, I felt like, both offense and defense. They couldn't make layups, free throws. They barely made 30% from the free throw line. And those are gimme points. Brandon I, Dawson didn't have as well good of I mean, a game as I mean, he could have. I mean, you dissect it. Okay, you dissect it. Maryland, let's just cut the reality here. Michigan State is a better rebounding team than Maryland. My opinion. I think they are. Michigan State's bread and butter is their rebounding. They, they are not out-rebounding teams. They are not. They need to go out and be more effective on the boards. What is the deal? I don't understand it. Is Denzel Valentine just not that good? His numbers are – you look at his numbers, you would take it in his junior year that you would think he would just take his, his numbers – to the next level. Point-wise, yes. Assist, I thought I would see more. Rebounding, it's they're down. That's my point. Now, just because his points are way up, he's averaging about 14 points, 13.9 if you want. Fino has to be exact. Because you're losing Gary Harris, you're losing your best player, you're losing a lot of guys. I understand that. So he's going to give you more scoring. Denzel Valentine needs to step up rebounding you need to rebound more it's the steals are down the rebounding is down the turnovers are up it's everything you didn't want to see happening and to me the minutes are around the same 30 minutes to 32 something's got to give he's going to need to step up Although Coach Izzo said the seniors got to step up, and we're seeing that with Trice, but we're not seeing that with Valentine, although he is a junior. Tom Izzo, after that game, he used a lot of words to describe how he felt about how his team played. He used words like pitiful, awful, inept, you know, and and, and, and that's not very good, especially in, we're in the middle of the season at this point. But, I mean, I'm, one of my concerns, like we've spoken in segments past, is the live by the three, die by the three. In this game, Michigan State made only three of 17 three-pointers. And I still feel like they're still relying on it too much. And you and you are the one person, Faith, had have come out and said, you know, Fino, they got to quit it with the three-point shots. If they can't even make free, free throws that are gimme points, 
why keep shooting three pointers if you have this type of game where you make only three out of seventeen? You know what the problem is? And Coach Hitto said this: they're just not playing physical enough. They can't even make free throws. I understand they're four for thirteen, but you're only attempting thirteen free throws in a game. That's ludicrous. And I'm not talking about the rapper. This is ridiculous <laughs> that we're even just considering this. And I understand, Fino. I think you're flipping out, Maryland. Yes. Maryland is the real deal. They are. Maryland they're they're going to be up there in terms of with Michigan, Ohio State, and Wisconsin in terms of rivalries. Maryland's the real State. deal. Yeah. We're seeing that. Maryland, to me, is the best team in the Big Ten. They're better than Wisconsin. I know they are because I see what they can do. But if Melo, if Melo, MT, my guy, if he plays the way he plays, he's the real deal. I mean, this guy shot 50%. Against Michigan State, six from the uh, six or eleven beyond the arc. He didn't miss a free throw, so faith approves. Give me a break. He is the real deal. He is the real deal. And between Mello and Jake Lehman, you look at those. You just look at the numbers. Thirteen for twenty-four. I'm sorry. Yeah, thirteen for twenty-four. I can do math from the field. Exceptional. And then eight for thirteen beyond the arc. How do you stop that? Because you don't. Because in between those two players, 46 points between them, that's almost as much as Michigan State. Come on. Michigan State's got to give you more. you got to play better defense. And they're so frustrating to watch, Faith, because they have the potential. No, they do. We, we've said it. We've seen it in games past. But, Fino, I am going to kind of put you on the spot. Okay. A few um, – a few segments ago, I'm not. I'm on the spot. You are on the spot. Um, a few segments ago, I'm not particularly sure which one, but we had talked about the Michigan State team and mm-hmm. how we, how far we thought they were going to go. I said final. You four. You said final four. I said final four. I, I said they'd probably be around Sweet 16 if they're lucky. Yeah. It- and now, looking at this past Maryland game, how they played, and where they're at now, do you even think no. this Michigan State team is going to make the NCAA tournament? No. No. I. I. I mean. Let me stop freaking out. I think they'll make the NCAA tournament because they're Michigan State. Michigan State has cachet. They'll make the NCAA tournament. So I don't want to ruin my credibility because Fino is credible. Because I understand they'll make the NCAA tournament. They're not going to make the Final Four. We're talking about Izzo, though. You know, he's six Final Fours, one title. You know, I think everybody says, you know, trust in Izzo. I think Izzo's a little overrated, yes. So you think, but I I love him. He has a track record of being in the NCAA tournament and performing decently, relatively well. Yeah. I mean, the, the the thing, Michigan State, ironically, is like the Detroit Red Wings. They'll ma- they will make the playoffs, but some years they're just in it for fun. They have no chance of winning the Stanley Cup. They're just in it for fun. Guys just want to have fun. That's what they are. That's what they are. And I'm no Simbi Lauper. But the thing is, we need that on impact. We should. But, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, that's what Michigan State is. They'll make the NCAA tournament, but you know, some seat, they're not winning it all. Last year was a good chance they had to win it all. A good chance. And I thought if they would have beat UConn, they had a chance. But I said this, Faith. I said I thought Michigan State would make the Final Four. But I said this. If come January, and we said this back in November, if come January, Michigan State is still playing like this in back when they were playing in November, they should be panicking slash in trouble. And we're seeing that. Michigan State went from a three seed to a five seed. to a, Now they're all the way to an eight seed. If you don't believe me, look at Joe Lenardi's prediction, bracketology. They have fallen down. Now, he understands the cachet that Michigan State has. I remember there was one year where Kentucky made the NCAA tournament, and they were struggling. I mean, I think it was the year after that Coach Cal won his first national title with Kentucky. They were struggling. Now, Michigan State, they can make the run. Like, everyone says Michigan State can make it. But to me... What if Michigan State goes undefeated the rest of the way? Now, I don't think that will happen. Call me. Because I think that's when Michigan State needs to make a push. And if Michigan State's going to make the NCAA tournament, making a deep Big Ten tournament run would maybe be needed and it wouldn't hurt them. 
No, they have a few games coming up that I think are really going to boost their confidence because they would be the ones to win them. They start off Penn State on Wednesday, then they travel to Nebraska. Yeah, they'll kill Penn State. Then they have a road game um, at Rutgers, and then they have home games with Michigan and Illinois before then going back to Northwestern. And to me, those are two trap games. I think Michigan, they've been splitting with Michigan of late. Now, I think Michigan is a different story this year. It's completely different it's a story. Di- it's a different story. But it's still Michigan, and they're going to play you tough. Then again, was it a different story when Michigan State lost to Texas Southern? Was it a different story when Michigan State lost to Maryland when they should have beaten that game? There's a lot of games where Michigan State should have won and lost. So to me, with this team, nothing is really off the radar. Nothing should be viewed as, uh, are they really going to win this game? Are they really going to lose this game? I think anything is possible when it comes to this team. I'm going to stick by it. Michigan State makes the NCAA, makes the NCAA tournament, but I'm holding off on that Final Four run. They'll win one game in the NCAA tournament as of now. You sticking with your prediction? I, I am not even sure at this point because I said Sweet 16 originally. But what I've seen from Michigan State is the inconsistency is unbearable. Real quick, before the end of the show, are you panicking? I'm, a li- I'm panicking a you're, little bit. But you're nervous. Yes. Absolutely. You're sweating a little bit. Yep. Faith is sweating a little bit. <laughs> and by the way, um, before we go off air today, Faith and I made a bet. I predicted that Ohio State would win the national title by at least 14 points. Now, did that prediction look ridiculous at the time? Oh. Oh, it looked awful. It looked bad. But Brooks knows it looked very good. That so yes, looks very good. Took him to brunch yesterday. That's right. University Club brunch was delicious yesterday, and it was phenomenal. Thank you so much, Faith. All that and more from Faith Gogolecki. <laughs> Thanks, but we had guys. A good, we had a good show today, right, Faith? Absolutely. And where can they catch us? They can catch us online at impact89fm slash sports. The pack tab right on the top of the page. If you miss any of our shows, you can get your shows up there. If you would like to call in and did it get a chance to today, the number is always 517-432-3893 is the number. We love taking callers. We've been pretty guest heavy of late, but we'll take some callers. For Matt Behind the Glass, thank you so much for an excellent engineer as of late. For Faith, for Fino, we'll be back here next Monday. The Sports That Matters, the pack every Monday, 7 to 8. Elise Union Co., the A's in Music Show, taking you all the way to 10 o'clock. Mahalo for listening. Aloha, everyone.